You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? How about the fucking Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that. SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. What's going on? <laughs> oh, man. It sounds like a sad pour today. Oh, man. You know, these are always tough. You prepare yourself mentally at some point during the game for your first loss. And I just wasn't ready, Mike. You know, I wasn't. Every year, I, 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 since 98, man, I've said, this is our year. And apparently, I was a year off. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Shane, does it feel weird that it wasn't Florida that, uh, Tennessee lost their first SEC game too, because I feel like that's the game Tennessee fans yeah. always get hyped up about. It's true. It's true. It's a weird feeling uh, losing to Georgia this early, but no, I mean because it's always about game three anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> game three is the one that usually gives us a fit and makes or breaks our the start of our season. So, uh, but I, I will say this, man, there was a lot of fantastic action. I'd like to formally apologize to a, to a few things, and we're going to get to. Obviously, uh, Florida fans, they've probably all blocked me by now. I apologize for my lock of the week. Kellen Mon, uh, I apologize for calling you a terrible quarterback and asking for the backup. Who else do I got? I mean, there's so many, Mike. Uh, I, was, I was wrong on so many picks. Uh, I, I lost money. My team, my team sucked. You know, I talked about this offensive line, <laughs> like – like they were the God's gift of football. And apparently it looked, it looked like three against five the entire time. Mm-hmm. Our, our offensive line looked like an absolute joke. Garantano, uh, ugh, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he, I mean, a lot of people are, are going to say, well, you can't blame him. And, I'm, I, and you're probably right. But you know, there was a lot of things you could have blamed during that game. Um, that was, that was a nasty one. So I I apologize for, uh, if I hurt you this weekend, but, uh, anyway, uh, let's, you know, we just got, it's like a bandaid, Mike. You just got to rip it off, you know? Well, let's do it right there. Starting with, uh, the Bulldogs looking like the best team in the SEC win 44 to 21. (laughs) Now this thing was 21, 17 at halftime. And Tennessee got uh, a couple of goal line stands there right uh-huh. before halftime. 
And yeah. I don't know. So I, I guess, you know, this was kind of like a story of two halves in a sense. When Tennessee yeah. stuffed Georgia at the goal line, 21-17 was the score. Got to be honest with – I'm not trying to, you know, stab you in the back here and in an open wound here, but did, didn't you feel like Tennessee was going to win it at that point? No, no, I didn't. This, you know, uh, I did. I felt best about this game when the snap went over Stetson's head and went in the end zone, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, baby, we've made it. We're here," you know. But we just we did not have an answer for this defense. And I just want to. I've been on record before this game. I am telling you right now, this is the best freaking defense I have seen. Since maybe that that uh, that Alabama team, or or maybe two thousand one Miami. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I mean these these guys are up there, and and when they make you one dimensional, and the front four can just pin their ears back and just go. I mean, there this team cannot. This this is the best defense I've ever seen. I, I'm just going to leave it at that. And if you didn't get to witness it against the Tennessee game or the Auburn game. Buddy, I'm telling you what, Nick Saban, he's 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 worried, buddy, because this is the best defense, like I said, I have ever seen, and um, mm-hmm. uh, we just we just, uh, golly, they made our five stars look like damn JUCO walk-ons, you know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't Tennessee know what finished with minus one yard rushing. That's the stat the Bulldogs are touting today on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know if you heard this one, Shane, but uh, what do Kevin Mays and Tennessee's rushing attack have in common? What? Minus one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> did you see the sign? Did you see? Did you see the sign? It said, uh, "Mays, I've uh, I've got a finger for your dad." <laughs> they flipping off. I was like, oh, you know what? That was good. That was good. I give them that. You know, but uh, there was. This thing shouldn't have been close at half, Mike. Uh, honestly, we got lucky. We got mm-hmm. lucky with that one touchdown to start the game. Obviously, we got we got our defense did a lot better than I thought they would. They, I mean, but when they're out there on the field the entire game because your offense keeps going three and out, eventually they're going to wear out, and that's exactly what happened in the second half. Yeah, uh, Kirby will get to it here in a second, and Jeremy Pruitt kind of the same, but. You know, for the most part, Georgia dominated this game. Like you said, miscues, obviously, the first snap of the game. Took Tennessee only 40-something seconds to get on the board. You know, that was one of those where if you're a Tennessee fan, you're saying, well, this is the break we need. And then it didn't even phase Georgia. You know, there was the fourth down they tried to go for, and they had the penalty. Tennessee comes right back. Let's give Garantano some credit for making that throw, and particularly Josh Palmer. For making the adjustment. I mean, he had two outstanding touchdown grabs. He was kind of the MVP, I thought, for Tennessee. Josh Palmer, that is. But outside of those two plays, I mean, that was it. That was it for Tennessee. Yeah. And that's, you're just not going to win. You know, that's the beauty of Georgia's defense that you just touted there. Uh, they're going to give you that. If you can make the perfect throw and you adjust perfectly to the ball in the air and you, and you beat you know, an elite elite defensive back one-on-one, Georgia will live with that because they know right. at the end of the day you ain't going to do that five times. Mm-hmm. They, they know you'll get away with one or two. That's all you're going to do because that's the only – I don't even want to call it a weakness, but that's the only spot you can attack this Georgia defense it looks like at this point. So, it you know, it's going to be we'll, – we'll certainly get to this game all week, but it's going to be fascinating to see how Alabama 
tries to attack this unit because dude, I don't know. I don't, be, I don't even know if they're going to be able to do it. You know, that's going to be a hell of a game. I'm talking, man. You know, I'm just, I, I'm looking at Alabama's offense and I'm looking at Georgia's defense and it's just, man, this is, they should have their own day, you know, just do <laughs> schedule this thing on a Tuesday. So everybody can watch it. It'll be like the SEC championship you know, exactly. preview game. They've got to do it fr- maybe Friday night or something would be pretty Absolutely, cool. Absolutely, man. Oh, I, I do want to say on Georgia, you know, as good as their defense is great, as great as their defense was, mm-hmm. you know, there was a couple of things on offense that, that really raised my eyebrow. I, I, I just thought, you know, is it is it time to hang it up? With Zeus, I mean, I love the name. I love, I mean, he is a freak athlete, but mm-hmm. when I'm excited that he's still in the backfield and I'm the opposing team, you know something's wrong. It just felt like they just kept doing the same thing, feeding him up the gut. It, it just, I, I, he was 22 carries for 50 yards. You know, his longest was nine. It, 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 I thought maybe we would see a little bit different backfield here. I mean, when Milton came out, he had that one damn run and ran, you know, I mean, right. there was some spark when they switched up the running game. So do you think, was that ever addressed? I mean, not yet, but yeah, it certainly looks like the best running back in that backfield. Of course, James Cook was not in this game, but it looks like it's the freshman Milton. Maybe yeah. time to turn the thing over to him. Now, again, I get it. If you're Kirby, I guess you just maybe... You know, not to say that, uh, <laughs> you know, there's much of a difference between ball security, but maybe they just don't trust him in, in holding yeah, on to the ball true. or pass blocking. I don't know, but certainly looks like Milton is the guy. So I agree mm-hmm. with you because Zeus had 22 carries for 50 yards. Milton had eight carries for 56. I mean, it was, it's like night uh-huh. and day different here. Uh-huh. That may be the key because from what I saw from Stetson Bennett, again, you know, I don't think he's a great player. I think he's... Certainly, giving them Georgia a spark, they can win with them. Can they beat a team like Georgia or excuse me, Alabama? We're about to find out. Can they keep up with Florida with Stetson Bennett? I don't know. So that's kind of the big question mark I still have with Georgia. If someone can actually challenge this defense, hell, they may only need about ten points to beat just about everybody else. But I don't. That's kind of the big issue that I have. And then um, even George Pickens didn't really get involved in this one. Mm. And I, I think a lot he of that on had, the sideline. <laughs> Two catches for 14 yards, but one squirt. <laughs> That's just so stupid. And, and you know, I, I, what do you think that is? Because this is this is turning into kind of a trend. He's not had the breakout season I thought he was going to have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is it – are we – I mean, because you got to remember, he he had Bryce on him the entire time. So I mean, that's that is it. That's a lockdown cornerback. And uh, I didn't know. No, it was Alante, wasn't it? You know, these, both these guys, they're, they're good cornerbacks. Is, is that more scheme? Do you think that, that they've been keeping George out or is this, you know, he's just having a little trouble getting the separation or, I mean, what, what, what are we seeing here? Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting one because he didn't really do much against Auburn either. He did have the big touchdown, mm-hmm. but I think basically defenses are making Kiaris Jackson beat him and hell he's been doing it. So credit to him, but yeah. I think uh, that's that's certainly a focal point of defense is try to limit George Pickens, and I think a little bit is even Stetson Bennett maybe not having the ability to get him the ball that often. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a concern because you're going to need 
You need Pickens. You need him not to be squirting people. You need him not to yeah. be punching people. I mean, we, we've mm-hmm. got to we got to reel this in here because he's an NFL talent. But and I'm certainly right. not saying he's not going to get there. But this is this is the stupid shit that's gonna that could come back to haunt him. You know, going to cost him millions of dollars in the long run, Mike. People mm-hmm. aren't going to take chances. I mean, you see players like Antonio Brown, and you know, I mean, some of these freak athletes you know that that are a little bit off in the head you know i think of the the what's the the cleveland brown guy josh gordon you -hmm. know players like this that's you know he's he's just got a childish attitude and uh you know just but he's a hell of a talent but look how many millions of dollars it's cost some of these some of these programs so they're not going to take a chance on somebody when they got another athlete that may be not as good, but at least they're not going to have to deal with uh, the off-field. It, it was just childish what he did. And, and, I, and I, I, I instantly saw remorse from him, you know, because I did come over there and, and it looked like he was apologizing for the situation. But mm-hmm. uh, he's got to get that out of his head. He's got to get that temper under control for sure. All right, Shay. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart. Talks about, uh, you know, his decisions to go for it on fourth down. On there being no off weeks this year in the SEC, we love these comments. On Stetson Bennett's continued progression, and then he did talk about the old water bottle squirt here. Coach, uh, I just got to ask you about you. The, the two fourth and short calls, uh, you know, obviously retrospectively, they. Uh, I was surprised you went for them at the time. I just said, uh, just can you just address those and and uh, obviously the defense, you know, played great to to make it all stand up. Yeah, Chef, if you don't go for it on fourth and one at the goal, what are you telling your team? <laughs> I mean, really, that decision was made long, 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 long ago. So fourth and inside the one on the last play of the half, that decision was made for me probably 20 years ago. Um, it's just who, who I am, what I believe, and philosophically, I don't, I don't really care what the score is. That's just what I believe. Question? Uh, yeah, uh, no, but I do have an observation, um, Kirby. Um, I would have gone for it on fourth down at the end of the half. Just so you think we're just so you don't think. Thank we're you. Thank, thank you, Mark. I want you to know that analytics would have absolutely, absolutely slaughtered me for kicking a field goal to chance to get seven over no three. Question. There, that is, and especially in a game that was shaping up to be high scoring. I mean, come on, let's 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 be honest. Now they might not agree with me on the fourth and one and the the other part of the field. I know my dad will be mad at me for that, punt the ball, play defense, but uh, got suckered into that one. Kirby, I was just wondering if you take anything from the fact that everybody except for you and as of now Alabama has lost a game already in the SEC. I didn't realize that. Um, no, I don't take anything from it. I mean, I, it's, 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 it's brutal, man. I don't think you guys – I cannot give enough credit – to what it's like to go play week in and week out in this league, it is something else. Because um, they're all – I mean, there's there's so many good football teams in our league, and it's so physical. And you used to get those – I mean, I hate to say it. It felt like a week off, but you don't – that is no more in the SEC with the with the schedule we got. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know what I mean? Like, it's – I take pride being in this conference because the brand of football, when you talk to NFL scouts and they call you and general managers, they're like, geez. It's like y'all league, y'all's league is so different than than so many of the others. So, Coach Mark, what in the you know in the past couple of games, Stetson said that he's definitely starting to feel more comfortable taking control of the offense. What have you seen from him that you've really liked, and what are some areas that you want him to improve going forward? 
Well, I'd like to watch this tape to make that uh, that 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 make that answer. I don't. I, I you know, I think he's getting better. He's definitely getting more confidence. Uh, he understands Coach Munkin's system better and better of where his eyes need to be in his decision making. Uh, he's made some plays with his feet. I would like to see him improve by sliding some and not taking the shot he took. Um, but he's a competitor. He's always been that way. And uh, we got to continue to help him and kind of play complimentary football. We got, we got guys running that can help him. But if we can't get lined up and execute at a high level, it makes it hard. Hey, Coach, uh, you started by saying that this team is, you know, an emotional team and you want them to play with a little bit more discipline. Uh, how agitating is it for you to watch an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty go down, especially when it's someone as talented as Pickens? That's just disappointing. It's silly behavior. It's uh, immature. It's just like two guys running down to celebrate with Jalen Carter. I mean, that cost us a Tennessee game already once. I mean, wh what are we thinking? You know, we show that once a year to talk about when, when your buddy scores, celebrate on the sideline with him. You know, when, when, when somebody comes out of bounds and you squirt water at them, it's, I mean, what are we? Are we seven, eight years old? I mean, come on. Let's, let's, let's play football. Let's don't be silly. All right, Shane. So I really, you know, I made note of this during the game. You know, it's not only Kirby, but Jeremy Pruitt was doing it as well. But I really like that uh, these two guys in particular – you know, while they are defensive guys, I mean, they have an aggressive mindset. They don't even care if they're on their side of the ball. If it's fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and inches, you know, they have the confidence that their team is supposed to go in there and pick it up. And I know it backfired on Kirby here in the first half, and that's kind of what kept Tennessee in the game here. But, hell, I, I still – I love this mentality, and I think this is why, you know, Georgia's – they got the talent, and if, as long as you keep being aggressive, I think they're going to be a factor in the national championship race. Mm. You know, that was the highlight of the day right there, Mike. If the game could have just ended at half, it'd be all right. But it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could look at the tape. I'm telling you, it, it was – Tennessee was up at half, but they really shouldn't have been. I mean, they weren't in this game at all, and that's embarrassing because I thought this program would be further along. Uh, don't reel me back in. Are we done yet? Who are we talking about now? Well, let's, yeah, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt. We talked about the struggles of the first half on how close the gap is or you know that, that continued gap between Tennessee and Georgia on failing to run the ball in this game. And then he was also asked about uh, potentially – if he thought about changing quarterbacks during this game. I'm going to need our beer if we keep talking about this game, Mark. Coach, you guys have used uh, you guys have used eight timeouts on defense the last two weeks for in each game. What do you kind of attribute some of that? Well, there was a couple of times uh, we didn't have the right personnel on the field. We had a few guys that got hurt. Um, you know, sometimes you want to look and see uh, what the other team's doing, if it's a critical part of the game. Um, you know, I felt like there was two times tonight that we we uh, used timeouts when um, maybe we didn't want to, but we probably thought it was the best thing to do. Jeremy, I know you talked about the turnovers in the second half. Did Georgia do anything coming out of the gate there in the second half that was a little bit different that gave you guys trouble? Um, talking about on the offensive side? I'm sorry, on the defensive side, what, what they did. You know, they 
they they got pressure on the quarterback. I, I don't know exactly what pressures they ran, but um, no, a couple of times we um, we we had people blocking them, and and they beat us in one on ones. You know, uh, man. And then we throw we threw a pick, which was an ill advised throw. You just can't do stuff like that. I mean, it's pretty simple. We turned the ball over three times, and and uh, didn't get any turnovers the second half. It's a difference in the ball game. And Jeremy, what do you think has to happen for, for Tennessee to close the gap to where uh, Georgia is right now? Don't turn the ball over three times in one half. Uh, it's pretty simple, guys. It ain't about timeouts. It ain't about um, – it's about turning the ball over three times in the second half. It's about not being able to run the football. Uh, it's about getting off the field on third down. It's everything in my that I said in my opening statement. Uh, so, you know, those things we got to fix, and, and um, we'll work hard to do that. Jeremy, did you feel like you would be able to run the ball more successfully than you did against Georgia because you weren't able to mount much of a run game? Yeah, you know, um, we, we, we didn't run the ball very well at all. Uh, didn't seem to get in rhythm offensively. We created a couple of big throws there. Um, but um, to, to win in this league, you have to be able to run the ball. And we didn't run the ball tonight. Uh, and it's, it's tough to win that way when you become one-dimensional. Jeremy, in the fourth quarter, was there any consideration to make a change at quarterback? No, I, I mean, um, I don't really know where that would have helped. Uh, you know, we, it starts with protection. That's the first thing, and getting guys open. Uh, if you can't run the football, uh, it's a, you know, you got a tough day's work. You know, we're sitting there down 16. You know, with a chance there, uh, possibly to score and, and get a two-point conversion, uh, and but we didn't we didn't get it done. All right, Shad, I feel like you're falling into the trap. We've been telling people not to fall under here, and I know you're down, but I'm going to try to reel you and Vol Nation back here because, hell, this is the SEC slate. Mm-hmm. I think we've underestimated. Well, I I don't think we have, but maybe some people have how good Georgia's going to be. I mean, we're talking a top one, two program in the nation here. Yeah. Playing them at home. And, I mean, Coach Pruitt says it right here. I mean, you're just not going to beat this team with all these damn mistakes we got. Mm -hmm. Turn the ball over, careless decisions, not being able to block. Obviously, you're not happy with this one, but this is something to build upon. And I'm not talking moral victories here because, hell, you didn't even cover the spread. But what do we got? Seven SEC games left here. I don't think, and this is Alabama included, I don't think you're going to see another team as good as Georgia's, what you just saw. And I don't know. I mean, Mm. you're getting Kentucky next week. I mean, it's going to be a world of difference between what you're just seeing in Georgia. I think Tennessee's still got an outstanding chance to have a great season here. Now, I think it's – Definitely going to be – we're going to see it more and more as we get into this 10-game grind of a schedule. But just, you know, the health of your overall roster, how deep you are, I think that's going to be critical. But, hell, Tennessee should still – they should be deeper and more talented than the vast majority of the teams they play. I don't know. I, I'm feeling encouraged by it because, again, this is Tennessee beat themselves and we, you see what happens. Yeah. And if, if you don't beat yourselves, you were, you were beating one of the best teams in the nation. Well, that's true, man. And well, you know, the thing that really got me was uh, 
kind of what Kirby said. Uh, there's there's no bye weeks. This is this is like NFL, and uh, you know I just watched the uh, uh, the Chiefs undefeated Chiefs Super Bowl champs. You know fall to Gruden's two two loss <laughs> Raiders. You know you just right. any given Sunday something can happen, and you know Tennessee didn't get this one, but who knows? They may surprise somebody else later down the road, or you know Georgia Georgia could could make a couple mistakes and it go a different way. So. That's right, man. That's what the SEC this season is all about. There, there's no bye weeks. There's no downtime. You any get? I mean, look how many upsets we had this weekend, Mike. There's, mm-hmm. it's just everybody's got to be on their toes. They got to play a perfect game because if they don't, they're going to get knocked off. Now let me ask you this real quick, and then we'll move on from this game. If let's say this happens, what if Tennessee beats Alabama, beats Florida, coming into the year, Shane? I said. All right, Tennessee's going to go two and one against those three teams. Would you take it? Yep. And here you are, down of the Dubs. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> it, it could happen. So, I don't know. There's plenty of football left to be played. Boy, I'm telling you what, though, they look pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, what's the, yeah, I'm telling you, Georgia looked damn good. And if they figure out the offense, watch out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense, how many points did the defense score? It felt like they, they scored more points than our offense on Saturday. <laughs> Uh, All right, Shane, let's uh, move on before you get okay, depressed again. Yeah, thank thank but, you, thank you. But, man, I'm telling you, this was the best. We keep hyping up this SEC schedule. Saturday was just the – it blew away the other two weeks, in my opinion. There was just so much good football on. I didn't even know which game to go to next, but I feel like we got to do this one because I thought it was the biggest story in the SEC. And I hate to do this to you. Even my dog's mad. I hate to do this to you, Razorback Nation. We got to jump on down to the Plains. Auburn, quote unquote, won 30 to 28 over Arkansas in a damn travesty of a of a decision here. Game taken away from the Razorbacks, but man, this was one of those games where sloppy conditions. It was ugly. It was it was you know not pretty to watch if you're an Auburn fan, but uh, I guess. You could say, you know, you managed, <laughs> you managed difficult situations here. But I'm still looking at it, and you know, Gus is, you know, blaming it on the weather, and, uh, and then you flip it over to the other side. Felipe Frank's having a career game, so I don't, yeah. I'm not buying this. Uh, Arkansas outplayed Auburn for the vast majority of this game. They, of course, the special teams was a, was basically a complete disaster for Arkansas. It ended up costing them the game couple of two-point conversions really came back to bite him in the ass at the end. But, you know, you can't even discuss this game without the baffling call on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now, but Bo Nix fumbled the snap, picks it up, and just turns around and spikes the ball. I've literally never in my life seen someone try to spike a football behind themselves. <laughs> but, but that's what he did, and... It was called intentional grounding, even though Arkansas jumped on the ball and uh, Auburn immediately kicked a field goal and won the game. So, I don't know, Shane. I mean, you're down. Imagine being an Arkansas fan and, Dude, and I can't. Y- they just stole a game from you. I always do that. When I watch a game and I'm rooting for – I find myself rooting for a team. And, and it, I'm watching this and I'm imagining what it would be like to be an Arkansas fan right now, you know. I mean, I've 
I've seen questionable calls in my day. Uh, I, I mean, I've watched a lot of football. I'll never forget. Uh, I can't remember the exact year, but Florida caught. Do you remember at one time they, they, it was Florida and Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. they threw the ball. He caught, and it looked like he held onto it for like half a second, and then it fell down. It was definitely an incomplete pass, mm-hmm. but they gave it to him as a touchdown. Oh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I couldn't, when that happened for weeks, I would just think about that damn play, and I can't believe it's not been reversed by now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though I know it's not going to happen, it just in my mind, I'm like, have, why have they not come out and said, you know what, we cannot give this team the win? And say, so now I'm watching this one. You know, I've I've played football, I've I've watched football for many many years. That was a bang bang play. Obviously, me, I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just a you know, a, uh, a spiked ball. You know what I'm saying? When Mm -hmm. I was watching it real time, but when they start slowing it down and then they start discussing the fumble and, and what happens after a fumble, then, then I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's a fumble. That's that. It went backwards. It makes sense. And, but then they're like, well, did the, the whistle blow, you know? And then it was like, okay. So now the guy's watching the replay. That's why we have replay. The guy's looking at it. And clearly, you could see the ball went backwards. It was a fumble. Now, the whistle is not a, a stoppage of play. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen several refs, retired referees, come out and say, hey, as long as there's some activity toward the ball, you know, it, it kind of vetoes the whistle. And there was activity, and Arkansas came up with the ball. So, twofold. Arkansas, you lucky bastards. I'm telling you, that must be the luckiest team that's ever – I mean, think about all the luck that has gone uh, – I'm sorry, did I say Arkansas? I mean, yeah. Auburn. Okay. Auburn. Auburn's the lucky bastards. Arkansas is very unlucky. But Auburn, you, you're lucky. Count your, count your stars. But for Arkansas, it, yeah, man, it sucks because anyway you slice it, has, has anything – has anybody like officiating or anything like that come out and made a statement on this game? The SEC or anything? Yeah, the, so the SEC came out with a statement basically saying, you know, they got it wrong, they screwed it up. Oh, they did say that? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. What happens? Nothing? That's my thing because, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to piss off some Auburn fans when I say this, but that was the play that defined the game. I mean, there was 30 seconds left. And if they made a mistake, can't they just give Arkansas the win? I mean – I don't see why not, but I guess you can. I don't know, but uh, what you know what the what the SEC said. The officials on the field sounded their whistles, blew the play dead as they deemed the passer illegally grounded the ball to conserve time. And uh, during the replay, there was con- conclusive video evidence that the pass was backwards. However, the recovery of the football was not clearly made in immediate continuing football action. The ruling on the field was determined to stand. But I ain't buying that, but mm. I don't know. I mean, it defined the game. So I don't, I don't know how you how you live that one down if you're if you're the SEC. You know what? I, well, and I don't necessarily blame the – it's funny that a lot of people are, like, blaming the SEC. I blame the damn refs at the game. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. And I do – I know they hire them and everything, but it's kind of foolish to say – I'm sure Greg Sankey didn't get on the phone and, and call those refs and be like, we got to have Auburn win this one. You know, like – I, I don't buy that. I just think you got incompetent refs, you know? But that's the thing. You've got, you got refs there 
you've got headsets, so obviously they also can have outside influence. And, uh, I mean, they got the instant replay. Take your freaking time. You're looking at it. I'm looking at it. Everybody's looking at it. And come out and I, – I don't know. I just don't see – and then now you got the SEC apologizing, saying that they made a mistake. It's like, well, clearly this guy saw something happen in the instant replay, and and he probably should have went to a higher source or, mm. you know, or an outside source and say, hey, listen, you know, what what do we do here? And even if it, there is stoppage in the game, who cares? Because you want to get it right. Because if you get it wrong, you got a team that shouldn't have won win. But you know. On the flip side of the coin, you got Auburn saying, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what the ref said, you know, <laughs> that's what I'd be. I'd be like, you know, I don't want to argue with that. And then, uh, you know, is there enough evidence to overturn? Because, you know, when they were scrambling for the football, they were, there was activity, but it wasn't like both parties were just, mm-hmm. you know, free diving at the football either. So, I don't know, man. It's it's sloppy, and you you just hate a great game like this to end on such a stupid call. Well, we normally go to the winning coach, but let's go to Sam Pittman because I feel like he led the winning team, even with the final score it doesn't represent that. So let's cut it over to Sam Pittman talking about that final play and what he was told, what he saw out there on Felipe Franks's big performance in this game, on needing to get that offense going a little bit earlier in these games and then on his message to the team after the game. Obviously, Coach, a tough one to take here at Auburn. What were you told about that inadvertent whistle, whatever happened on the last meaningful play of the game? I was told it wasn't a backwards pass. So you were told it was not a backwards pass? That's what I said. Okay. Sam, what, what did you see on from your perspective on, on the spike play? Same thing you did. The ball went backwards six yards. I saw a fumble and a spike that went backwards six yards. Yeah. Hey, Sam, if you could just, I guess, tell us what you saw from Felipe tonight, over 300 yards passing for touchdowns. It like he gave you guys a lot of toughness. He played tough, you know. Um, he uh, ran the ball well, got some much-needed yardage, and uh, threw it well. and. I mean, he played tough. He got hit a few times in the run and obviously got sacked a few times, but um, he just gets better every week. I was really proud of him. I know he's banged up a little bit, but it'd be hard not to be proud of his performance tonight. He did a nice job. Sam, not much offense in the first quarter, but you really got it cranked up after that. What what, what changed? What, what did y'all start doing? Yeah, I don't know. You know, we, we, we've we seen to um, start slow. You know, we've... We, we may need to change up what we're doing in warm-ups, to be honest with you. Just something that can get us started a little bit faster, you know. And I know um, we can wear down defenses as you continue to go fast, but we weren't wearing them down in the first quarter. You know, we was wearing down our off our defense. So, I don't know. You know, I'm really proud of the way the guys finished up the last three quarters, but I don't know. We, we, we really got to put a – we got to put a handle on that along with, uh, you know, our special teams problems. Coach, what did you say to your players in the locker room after um, that kind of ending? I was proud of them that they fought their butt off, that we got a good football team and that 
times of us going someplace and and embarrassing our fans and our football team are over. And I was proud of them. And uh, that's what I told them. How did the players react in the locker room? Did you feel like you had this one taken away from you? No, I don't want to say that. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities that we could have won the football game, done things better. Um, but the players were like you'd think, you know, last week we were jovial and cheerful and this week they were down and they were hurting and they should. I mean, they put a lot of sweat into getting prepared for Auburn and they did a nice job of doing it. And, you know, we just at the end, they, they had one more play a little bit better than ours. All right, Shane, you can hear the frustration in his voice there. And, you know, at least, you know, I really got to credit Sam Pittman. At least he's not out here whining about it and he's certainly pissed off, but I enjoy the fact that, hell, he's, you know, the message to the team is, you know, we're not embarrassing ourselves anymore. We're not embarrassing these fans. Let's go out there. And and even though we lost, you know, we, we deserve to win. And let's just go out there and keep proving people wrong and keep mm-hmm. playing hard. And, my God, he's got this team doing a 180 already. I mean, how many damn jokes do people make when we went to all SEC 10 game schedule? Oh, this will be the first 0-10 team in SEC history. <laughs> no, they're but they should be two and one right now. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. And honestly, the, everybody's gonna be thinking about the one play, you know, something that he was talking about. It made you everybody even us, we opened up with the 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 fumble mm-hmm. slash spike. But there were opportunities in this game for Arkansas to just put this thing away. To not even come to that, you know, even the drive before, I think, you know, they they just couldn't get any as, as great as that offense has been, you know, they just couldn't get anything going on that last drive to to keep the clock running. It was pathetic, just about as pathetic as the punt, you know. It was mm-hmm. just, it was just they put themselves in that situation. Now, on the flip side, you know, there was some good things on Auburn too. I I, th- I think they did fi- finally find their running game, and that's I think that's what makes this offense improve. You know, Bixby had a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about him, but damn, he almost had 200 yards total offense. The guy was Auburn's offense, so if they can get him go, keep him going, and, and bring Bo along slowly, I, I I think that this offense can still still has potential to be potent. I mean, it was a nasty game. You know, the pigs love the mud, but I, I I don't know if we can blame the weather with uh, Coach Morris's offense, but it was a little sluggish at times besides Bigsby, you know. Right, and, you know, Arkansas fans don't want to hear this, but there was the issue on the extra point. They, uh, the holder looked like he messed up, so they, they didn't get the extra point there. And then Sam Pittman, I believe it was in the second quarter, went for two on the next touchdown to kind of make up for it. You know, hell, if you kick the extra point there and then in the third quarter when you score, you kick the extra point there, hell, this is a tie game. You know what I mean? So I think these are coaching moments for him too because I understand, you know, if you you look at the scoreboard at the time when they went for the first two, you know, it made sense. But when you got two and a half quarters, I don't know. I don't like going for two there. Obviously, you know, I'm looking back in hindsight, it's easy to criticize that, but – I think that's a that's something, and then they had the block punt that was for a touchdown. So I mean, the special teams and the two point conversions were just, 
I mean, that cost you the game too. So right. there's other key aspects, but, uh, you know, you talk about Bigsby, I, the other guy on the other side, Traylon Smith, man, I wasn't even really aware of this guy. He was awesome for Arkansas, 81 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And then he had uh, 90, no, 78 receiving yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devion Warren's coming along. Mike Woods had a really big game. So there's a lot to build on if you're the Razorbacks. But for Auburn, 10 catches for Schwartz. This is what we've been clamoring for. I mean, right. they make such a big deal about this damn 300-pound tight end. And I know it makes for cute clips and all this, but you got to get it in Schwartz's hands. I mean, this he's the playmaker here. So right. let's quit fooling around with that nonsense. Let's get it to the guy that's the fastest player in the country. Like you said, Bigsby, just a true freshman, but he looks like he may be their best offensive player. Mm-hmm. And, man, I hate, I'm not a big guy that likes to criticize people so i'm trying to like hold this back a little bit but man bo nix just ain't got it you know what i mean like i don't know how much more they can put up with this but i don't know they got any other options and i don't got much faith in old chad morris to to, to develop them you know but i just i don't know watching him and you can blame it on the weather all you want and then you flip it over the other side like i said felipe frank's looking like oh boy damn near all sec so it ain't the weather. You know what I mean? Right. No, I, I, I was watching Frank's. And I was like, golly, man. I wish he would have came to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> he's been playing great, man. I bet there's a lot of programs that wish they had Felipe right now. He, he's he just, I don't know. He's he's not playing like he did last year. He's not afraid. Mm-hmm. You, he's, he's taking chances and, and moving the ball. I, I, I love this offense. I, I, this, you know, Forget the records, you know. Like I said, this is a this is a, a crazy season, um, but I, I think Arkansas is definitely trending up. I, I think they're making, they've shown that they can be competitive in every game that they play. Mm-hmm. And then Auburn, man, it, it's like flashes, you know. They do they they do, they'll they'll have a couple drives, they'll have a couple defensive stands, and it's just like, man, this is the Auburn we signed up for. And then all of a sudden, it's like. They forgot how to play football. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, let's kick it over to uh, Gus Malzahn real quick. He did not want to talk about this Bo Nick spike on uh, Anders Carlson, which, you know, we haven't talked about him yet, but he missed the big kick, comes back, makes the game winner. So got to credit him. I mean, that's it takes guts to do that. And then Tanks Bigsby, his, basically his big – well, he had a good game against Georgia. Nobody really noticed, but – I would, so you can't really call this his breakout, but he just continues to impress for Auburn. Just that uh, last uh, Bo Nick snap, what did you see on that one, and what was explained to you at the end of the game on what happened? I'm sorry, could could you repeat that? The the volume was down low. The spike, can you hear me? Yeah. The spike at the end by Bo Nix, uh, what was explained to you, and what did you see um, on the field level? Yeah, it, it was the, uh, I guess they're saying he fumbled the snap and then got it and then spiked it, uh, is what they said. Gus, I want to ask about Anders, the fact that he came back uh, after that miss. Did you guys say anything to him before that last field goal and what it says no. about him that he, no. that he came back like that? Yeah, no, I just kind of gave him that look and kind of gave him a fist bump. He knows. I mean, he's a he's a great kicker and one of the best kickers in the country. And, uh, you know, he was, he was looking forward to that. You could see it in his eyes. And uh, we did a good job with the snap and the hold and started to rain a little bit there and our protection held up. And, you know, game-winning kick, you know, at home in the SEC. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that as a kicker, and that'll help him moving forward too. 
Hey, Gus, the tank kind of led the rushing attack again for the second straight game. What did you see out of him tonight and his ability to just hit some of those holes that were opening up from the O-line? He broke tackles. He ran extremely hard. That's what I saw. I mean, there was some hard yards, too. Um, you know, he bounced a couple out. He cut, cut them back, um, ran some guys over, broke tackles, kept his legs moving, and uh, protected the football. I know that one, but it was he was down. But, uh, you know, I thought he did a good job. <laughs> all right Shay. well yeah gus i mean he'll, he'll take what he can you know what i mean he's the uh -huh. he's the gambling man and uh he sold his soul for this one but uh yeah he does not want to talk about old yeah. bo nicks i just thought that was pretty funny yeah we did here <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all have a good night <laughs> and i like how they said did you you know did you do any kicking to the coach or he's like nah i just gave him a look i'm like <laughs> like you're doing a hell of a job, guys. Keep it, keep it up, guys. You're doing great. Hey, man. Well, they're sitting there at two and one. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. who they got next week? Who's who these at teams South got? Carolina? Okay, who's Arkansas got? Ole Miss at home. Oh man, jeez, I love this, Mike. I love it. You know what? You can't, you can't sulk. You can't, you can't, you know, party too hard if you're an Auburn <laughs> fan. You know, it's like we got to get ready for next week, man. I love it. Mm -hmm. Hey, Shay. Well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we mm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC. Over at mybookie.ag, thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code, that SEC. Well, speaking of Ole Miss, let's jump to that game next because uh, Alabama and Ole Miss put on a damn fireworks show. Alabama uh, holds on 63 to 48, highest scoring game in the history of of the SEC for a game that did not go into overtime. Most total yards, they put up 1,300-something damn yards. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. These defenses, though, woof. I mean, that I credit the offensive players. I mean, they were outstanding. Mac Jones, Mac Corral. I mean, it was a, it was just a light show out there with them. I mean, Matt, listen to this. Mac Jones, 28 of 32. That's incredible. And then Mac Corral is 21 of 28. Uh, this is the first time ever – in Nick Saban's time at Alabama, that the opponents have had 200-yard rushers, Snoop Connor and Jerrion Ely, both with over 120 yards. And then Najee Harris had 206 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, God, it was like – Dude, and it's – It was like not, Big 12 football is what it was. And it's against Alabama. <laughs> it's like this isn't San Diego State or, you know uh, – Lafayette or something like that. No, this is this is big boy Nick Saban football, and and you're able to put these stats. I know they lost, uh, and I know we're going to get to the the coaches talking about it doesn't matter, but it does matter, man. Because when I think about Lane Kiffin's offense, man, there he could have went to any program 
Mm-hmm. Anybody, I mean, anybody that called Lane first, he would have been there in a heartbeat. Think about it. He could be the coach at South Carolina right now, but the hee haw, you mm-hmm. know, that he could have been the coach at Tennessee. That I mean, and, and I'm looking at this Ole Miss roster, and and going into it, they, you had them picked 14th, man, or not maybe not 14th, but you had them uh, seventh in the West, mm-hmm. just like a lot of people based on the talent that they had on that roster, and just look what he's able to do. We're we're three weeks in, and you cannot count Lane Kiffin's team out against anybody. Ole Miss is in every single. This was a ball game. With 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was tied up. So it, it just it blows my mind uh, just how efficient this offense is. And and Matt Correll, man, I, it kind of surprised me. It surprised you when, when he was named. Maybe not you as much as me, but I thought this was going to be John Rice's team. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt looks like a freaking all-star out there, dude. Yeah, I think uh, – now i got to give Ole Miss credit because you're right. I picked him last – I think I got old damn rope-a-doped by old Kiffin, man. I think he was trying to lull us to sleep. I don't know the players' names. We ain't got. Yeah. We don't have anyone to. They were moving receivers to defensive back and then having yeah. to start them. I mean, I was like, "Holy shit, this team is going to be in trouble." And they are on defense, but like you said, they've got enough, you know, offensive genius in them. I guess. I mean, they got and they got good players. I mean, that's kind of key. But I didn't think they had any linemen here either. So. I mean, this is just incredible. They're going up and down the field on Alabama, like you said, throwing, running, doing whatever the hell they want. And did you see that thing that Kiffin had on his face? I, people kept saying, is he, has he got panties on his face? I was like, well, <laughs> he is the old Miss coach. So, yeah. I mean, it kind of fits. <laughs> but it, that is oh. funny that you're talking about, uh, you know, the well, fact think- the fact he could have been gotten because, yeah, you know, after his incredible run at Alabama – he had to go to FAU. I mean, I yeah. I never even heard of that damn school until he went down there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So why in the hell was he not getting any calls? And why did he have to be down there so long? I mean, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, with Nick Saban, I don't want to call him one foot out the door, but his defense looks like it's one foot out the door here. How many of those people over there were saying, well, my God, if Saban goes somewhere, let's let's call fucking Giffen. Yeah, well, look how great he did when he was at Alabama. That offense became a machine, and uh, and and then he goes to FAU. He's successful. He's he's at Tennessee. He's a, you know, he kept a lot of those games close that shouldn't have been, man. But you know, he was able to do that. He's he's just a hell of a coach, and and a lot of people are talking about the Mike Leach hire. I, I get it. I'm one of them. The Pirate. It was great to have him, but you know the the sneaky off hire off season hire it may have been Lane Kiffin because what I've seen through through three games here has been been flat out impressive and mm-hmm. the fact that we've talked about old miss for 7 minutes and didn't even mention I mean Najee had a 250 total yards you know Saturday <laughs> and we've talked about old miss just how impressive I mean Alabama was just as impressive we expected that against this old miss team it was just what I didn't expect was this to be any type of a ball game Here's the main problem, though, with Alabama was just their defense is god-awful. Well, maybe not god-awful, but it's just it's getting embarrassed. I mean, it's yeah. missed tackling, it's blown assignments, and, you know, this is this is unacceptable. I mean, it, this mm-hmm. is not Nick Saban, and everyone's throwing Pete Golding under the bus, myself included. I'm making the jokes, but this is Nick Saban's defense. I don't – you think 
Pete Golden came in there and is telling Nick Saban how the defense is going to be run? Hell no. This is Nick Saban <laughs> telling Pete Golding how to do it. And he was giving him the ass, chewing on the sideline and all this. But, you know, now they got six days to get ready here for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And they look like a damn joke on that side of the ball. Now, they may, if they figure out, you know, how to beat Kirby's defense, they may outscore them. But Georgia's going to score 50 on this team the way they're playing on defense. Yeah. Now, I mean, well, do you think times are changing, man? I, I'm just – I'm thinking about these scores, and and I don't know if somebody asked that, but it made me think. I was like, you know, maybe they did ask. Did they ask Lane that? Well, they asked uh, Saban here. Let's kick it over to Nick oh, Saban. Okay. Talking about why his defense is struggling so much, or just why all defenses are struggling so much. <laughs> on uh, He kind of accused Ole Miss of stealing their signs here. And then on uh, what needs to get corrected moving forward. Well, I already addressed it, really. I mean, we struggled. I mean, didn't do anything well. Um, didn't stop the run. Um, gave up some big plays in the back end. Um, got picked. Um, you know, so didn't couldn't get the quarterback on the ground when we needed to, even when we got some pressure. Uh, we had some mistakes in coverage. We got picked in coverage. Um, you know, we just didn't play very well. And um, I'm responsible for that. Um, and we got to do a better job as coaches to try to help put our guys in a better position. When we did get off the field on third down, they went for it on fourth down. They went fast. We never got lined up. They must have converted, you know, three or four fourth down you know, situations in the game. Um, just gave up too many big plays, and uh, we just we just got to get better. Everybody on defense has got to play better. Okay, we'll go to Michael Casagrande. Nick, just to feel uh, when a shootout like that on the sideline, how, does it, how do you keep things calm on the sideline when there's a high press, high leverage situation? Well, I'm not really calm. You know, I'm boiling and bubbling, um, you know, trying to be encouraging to the players. Uh, try to make the best adjustments that we could make at halftime. Um, it seemed like everything we did, though, they had an answer for. I don't know if they had our signals or what, but um, I'm, I'm not. That that's not anything unusual. Um, but you know, it seemed like every time we called something, they had the best play that they could have against it. And um, you know, we, we we and they had a really good plan. You know, Lane is a really good coach. They got a good offensive team. They've got some good players on offense, and we didn't do a very good job of executing what we needed to do on defense to stop them. You know, we pr- tried to play with a more athletic nickel team in the beginning of the game and couldn't stop the run, so we went back to our regular nickel stuff at halftime and um, you know played a little better. Um, but still had lots of opportunities to get off the field. And when you're playing against these teams that go fast, when you get a chance to get off the field, you got to get off the field. Uh, and we didn't do that. But, you know, our guys competed, man. They played hard. They tried to stop them right to the end. Uh, I know we didn't execute very well, and you could say it was ugly at times. And, um, again, I'm responsible for that, and we just got to do a better job with our players. Is there anything in particular that you can point to? 
Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think we have to do a better job of playing blocks up front. I think we have to do a better job of fitting things with the linebackers in the secondary. Uh, I think we have to do a better job of coverage in the secondary. And um, the biggest issue, guys, is you've got to get off the field on third down. Uh, and, you know, we haven't done that yet this year, uh, which extends drives and gives the other team more and more opportunities to make plays and score points. So, um, you know, we, we've never played this way on defense. It's certainly not what we um, aspire to try to be as a defensive team, and we're going to work hard with our players. I, I believe in our players, all right? and I think we uh, have to get our players to uh, play better. I think we're capable of it. Uh, I think this was a good offensive team, um, and there'll be a lot of opportunities for us to learn and grow from this game. All right, Shane. So I thought that was pretty wild. Nick Saban out here saying, you know, they're stealing our signs. And uh, Lane Kiffin has <laughs> come back and said, hey, we run the damn hurry up most of the time. There's no time to look at your damn signs because we're calling in a play and they're running it. So right. I thought it was pretty interesting that Lane Kiffin responded to that, but kind of sounds like an excuse from Alabama because – they steal signs more than anybody, trust me, from what I've been told. So, I mean, it's kind of weird they're called other people out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a problem. You, they're, Alabama, as much as I have said it, you know, with Florida and their offense and everything, Alabama's not going to win national championship if their defense plays like this. And that, that's the goal there at Alabama. They're, they're not going to get it done, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, because we've seen teams do this. This is what I was kind of saying. Uh, yeah, we talk, and I hate I hate keep bringing them up, but LSU last year, it's they, their defense. You know, they sucked at first. They came along later in the season mm -hmm. and played a little bit better. But it was hard when you were scored all the time. And and I mean, Jones was so efficient, and this offense was so quick to score sometimes that that defense didn't have a lot of rest, man. And they're right back out there, so. You know, that's the downside of, of scoring, what, seven, nine? How many how many touchdowns we'll get in here? Nine? I'm terrible at math. You know uh, what I'm saying? Felt like 20. Yeah, I mean, just – so that defense is exhausted. Of course they're going to give up a ton of yards, especially toward the end of the game. So, And how about this I, stat, Shane? This was making the rounds. Every team that's playing college football right now, Alabama's dead last in getting three and outs. They're dead last in the nation. And getting that's, three and outs. Yeah, that's huge. The the three and outs are huge. If I mean, whoever leads that is typically going to win that game. So mm -hmm. uh, it surprises me that they're losing. Now, I did see someone say, well, hell, they're just resting the offense. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a game plan, Mike. But, I mean, it's got to make Nick sick watching this game. Mm -hmm. I mean, this replay, he he said he was bullying. I bet he is, man. I bet he is pissed off that they gave up 48 points to Ole Miss. Mm, yeah, without and Lane Kiffin for sure. <laughs> exactly. So let's kick it over to Kiffin on talking about what's happened to all these damn SEC defenses on and if they can fix their defense. And uh, he talked about being disappointed in this loss. He didn't seem to appreciate the fans cheering him on after this one. And then on, uh, he had a message for Nick Saban after the game. I thought this was kind of cool. I mean, I would have never guessed you'd see an SEC game looking at these stats here and three punts in the entire game. And someone just said the most most points in the history of SEC regulation game, you know, especially against, you know, 
Coach Saban that defense, so kind of a waste. Can you hear me okay? I can, Dennis. Yeah, oh, hey, Lane. Hey. Lane, what's happening in general to, you know, offensively and defensively in this game? Uh, in the SEC today, the average team gave up 33 points. Um, you know, there's been scoring records set in the last few years. We can talk about tonight all night, but, but what's happening with defensive football, do you think? I don't know because it's not tempo because, you know, there's people that don't do tempo and, you know, put up a lot of yards, just like these guys. You know, Sark, they don't do tempo. So I don't think it, people would have thought it was tempo. Um, that's been around for years. You know, maybe COVID, missing spring ball and missing the tackling in that and fundamentals maybe has something to do with it. But I just would I would have never guessed this. You know, I joked with the coach afterwards. I talked to him, like, you know, hey, I thought they played played defense in the SEC. You know, like just joking with him because you know he was kind of laughing about the defense. So I don't. You know, this is three games in a row like this. I would not have thought this. Lane, you mentioned it's three weeks in a row with this defense kind of getting beaten up. Do you think there is something that can be done with the personnel you have on this team to fix the defense this year, or do you think that it's just kind of you guys are a little overmatched with the talent you inherited? I hope so, you know. Um, I just told the players, don't be happy. You know, fans are standing ovation. We're walking off, and I was very confused about that. You know, we lost. Um, so... Not that I don't appreciate the fans doing that, but make sure the players understand we came here to win. We didn't come here to play close and cover spreads or any of that crap. So um, I told them they have tomorrow off and they got to come back to work. We got to get better, you know. Um, you just don't get chances like this. And I think kids don't understand that. You know, you don't get many chances to beat the number one team in the country, the best program, you know, in the entire country. And it's right there to take. Lane, you talked about that conversation you had with Coach Saban after the game, just pitching against him. I know you're not one-on-one -on -one against him, but just kind of what's the takeaway from that first experience here? Well, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but it was pretty cool to hear what he said. Um, you know, and I just told him, hey, go win it all, you know. So they got a great team. Um, they're going to be hard to stop, and they got a chance to win it. So I told him to go win it all. All right, Shade. So told he told old daddy to go win the championship. I for, I, for, I forgot to mention that. I believe it was Friday on Paul Feinbaum show. Did you see that? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody that missed it, Lane Kiffin, Kirby Smart, I believe Will Muschamp and Jeremy Pruitt. They're all in a group text, according to Kiffin. And Paul Feinbaum says, well, "What's the commonality there?" And, and Kiffin says, "We got the same dad." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shay. Well, hey, like I said, we got to move on. We got so many other games to get to, and hell, Aggie fans are probably pissed off. We ain't talked about <laughs> the fighting Jimbo's who beat Florida at home 41 to 38. And hell, I owe Jimbo an apology here. We're, we're ready to bury this man and, and yep. get his 75 million out the door. But just when we do, Texas A&M never saw this one coming. Beats the Florida Gators. This is the signature win, I guess, if you want to call it that so far, of the Jimbo Fisher era. And Kellen Mond was on fire, 35, or excuse me, 25 of 35, 338 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The long ball has returned. 
And my God, Shane, Isaiah Spiller, 174 yards rushing, two touchdowns. The Aggies, this is the offense we thought we were getting, wasn't it? But it was like the, Florida has got some problems, man. They oh, yeah. cannot stop the run. I, I was watching the South Carolina game, and I knew South Carolina had some good running backs, but then I'm watching the Texas a and I was like, well, I know both these teams got good running backs, but that also is just telling me that Florida's got a terrible rush defense right now. I mean, they're just gashing them, and you, they just couldn't – they could never get uh, Texas A&M off the field. No, they really couldn't. And, I mean, that – think about how much issues they had in this game and then when the Gators play Tennessee, Georgia, mm-hmm. Kentucky, teams that really can run the ball. I'm not saying they're going to get beat by all those teams, certainly, because I, I think they can outscore – you know, almost all of college football, but man, they're not going to be able to get off the field the way they're playing. No. And I got Georgia fans all in my mentions and hit me up. Todd Grantham sucks. We told you, we tried <laughs> to tell you. Now, certainly they've played terribly. Tackling has been terrible, but Florida is still, I know these fans, these fans want Todd Grantham's ass gone yesterday, but right. I don't think they're that bad. I mean, I think these are correctable issues. You know, you got to be some of these ta- these tacklings are just like we're even talking linebackers just getting. There was one on that Isaiah Spiller fourth yard, fourth and one I think it was, and he burst for about thirty yard touchdown run. I mean, square the linebacker was right there. He just he basically got stiff armed with the shoulder. So mm-hmm. I don't know how in the hell you're putting that on a coordinator, but I don't know. I mean, I mean something's got to be done here. Dan Mullen was certainly pissed off after this one, and how about the fans though? I mean. If you look at certain shots, it looked like it was a damn full stadium. <laughs> and then if you looked at others, though, you know, behind the the goalposts and everything, it looked like it was supposed to look with the 25% capacity. I think what happened was all the damn people just went to the middle of the field. That's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, certainly that's not social distancing, what have you, whatever they're supposed to be doing. But, uh, man, Dan Mullen was sure was pissed after this one, wasn't he? Hey, that's what I'd do. I mean, think about it. You pay... You pay a hundred dollars, get one of them upper deck seats. You're like, dude, we could get a 35 seat right there, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. I think I could convince you. And if security sucked, we could get down there. And next thing you know, we're piled up and we're having a damn home game. And that's, that's exactly what Dan was all fired up about. And I don't blame him. Georgia did the same thing last week. You know, they just, I, I think they, they kind of cracked down on them a little bit more this week, but, uh, it, it's, that's, the nature of the beast trying to keep these people separate. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And now Dan wants to open it up, man. <laughs> he said, hey, well, let's just open it up. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's jump to uh, Jimbo real quick on Kellamon on hitting that deep ball again, something you'd been calling for. Mm-hmm. And then on this Texas A&M offensive line, looks like they're really starting to gel here. Jimbo wanted to ask you about Kellen's poise and accuracy and, and probably playing his best game as an Aggie. Well, I mean, he's played some good ones, and he played a very good game today, and he made critical plays at critical moments, critical third downs. I think we were 12 or 15 on the day on third down, yes, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is amazing. Uh, you know, hit the deep balls we had, we give, and we give him time. We got time, and we got separation. So we're able to make the throws and kept on the angles and what we had to do, and, and you now Caleb was awesome. Jalen Wiedemeyer made some great catches. Chase Lane got the ball down the field, and Nias did. You know, it was just it was a really good day and for him and, and him controlling the game, making good decisions, doing, being what he can always be. Are you proud of how Kellen responded to so much adversity? Yes. Listen, team? that's what we live in. 
That's what you live in. When you're a quarterback in Division One football, you live in adversity. When you're a coach, you live in adversity. You can't worry about that. You just got to play your game and do the things. I ain't saying it ain't hard. I ain't saying it ain't tough. I'm very proud of him. It takes a very mature guy. That's the world we live in. And guess what? Next week or next day, if you do it again, they're going to be right there again. That's that's the world you live in in sports. That's what I mean. That's what sports writers do. That's what fans do. That's what. That's great. They love you and, and criticize. That's part of our world today with social media. And you got to live in that world. And you got to you got to block it out, eliminate the clutter, and go play. Believe in yourself. Most of junk around the uh, media room here is I always ask about deep balls. So I'm going to ask about it. Why today were you able to hit some and how big were they to Caleb Chapman? Well, we got them and we got protection and we got the right looks. And some defenses, you don't understand, some people don't do it. You look at Florida, as great as they are on offense, they don't throw a lot of deep balls. They throw some goes. They had overs in China's. You watch a lot of people. Alabama's one of the few teams that does get them truly over the top. A lot of balls are goes. China's intermediate throws that run. You don't always, some teams just don't give up deep balls. You're just not there. And they play them and they take them away and make you throw the intermediate stuff. Some teams do. We were able to get them today and get the reads. And, and we had the protection. Sometimes you got to remember, it takes a long time to get down the field when you're reading those things. And, you know, get the routes and timing and rhythm and everything that goes on. So we were able to hit them today and we sure needed them. That's for sure. What are you most proud about from your team today? Was it the ability not to give up? Was it the, the comeback? What, what fast of this game really made They didn't pay attention to the scoreboard. They played the next play and lined up and won their box. And that's how, that's how you change a program. That's how you change culture. You line up and win your box. Football's a game of will. You can't let them break it no matter what's going on. No matter if you're winning, you're losing. you got to line up the next play and play. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Don't worry about anything. It ain't about winning. It's about playing, playing the right way, doing the right things, and never giving in and letting your will be broken. The running game was outstanding today, obviously, but it looks like the offensive line as a whole had its best game in a long time. You know, they, they just – Well, you tell you what, up. if you go watch that film last week – they played pretty good last week, too. You go back in that game last week against who they were playing against 47 times with no sacks and able to run the ball when we had and did some things. They, they, they haven't played bad now. I'm telling you, they're getting better and better. You feel like they finally meshed as a unit after, a, you know, an up-and-down 2019? Well, hopefully we'll see. I mean, what matter next week, we played a couple games. It was a long season, so we got to continue to do it, and we'll have our hands full next week. Hey, Coach. Uh, what what can you say about the way that Isaiah ran the ball in the second half? And then, you know, I, with Anias moving to slot a little more today, how did that really open up uh, opportunities for Isaiah to get more carries? Well, it did, and, and by what we had to do and what we had to do to, to win the game. Last week, now we still may go back and forth. I mean, there's going to be things by game plans, how we got to play. Or Anias, Anias is such a valuable wesp weapon for the different things he does and he allows the other guys to do. What you don't even realize, not what just he does, is how it lets the other guys play in certain situations and utilize those guys at times too. And Isaiah was and Isaiah was uh, awesome today. Ran the ball hard, physical against a very good physical defense, and I'm very proud of him, man. That, that's a big time effort today. All right, Chase. So all of a sudden we're ready to bury the Aggies. Yeah. And now they got Mississippi State who's struggling. They get a bye, then they get Arkansas and South Carolina. I mean, could this be? The win that kind of catapults this program. I mean, hell, I'm certainly not saying A and M. You know, there's no automatic W's in the SEC, but they've got potential now to go on a real, real run after beating this Florida team, don't you think? Absolutely, man. And again, I, I'd like to. I'm issuing a formal apology for both teams here. You know, I did my lock of the week. I, I thought I wasn't cursed anymore. I thought, you know. I was going to make some money. I thought I was going to make you guys some money. Hell, I probably did. Uh, you know, and then and then on the flip side of the coin, it's like 
Kellen Mond, I was out on him. I'm out on Jimbo. I'm out on Texas A&M. I was, I was doom and gloom after that Bama game. Even though I said I thought the Alabama game was going to be a wake-up call, and apparently it was, man, because these guys were firing all cylinders. They were prepared. These young receivers were stepping up. It was just the the it felt like they finally came together as a team, you know? So I don't think we're going to have any more opt-outs from Texas A&M. It felt like we were all bought in with, that we're committed to one, you know, just one team, one goal. And uh, it's exactly what they needed. And this may be brother. This may be exactly what Florida needed as well. They're reading those press clippings. You know, everybody had them circled as the best team in the East. Well, guess what? You got your ass beat. And now this may be the wake up call that they need. And thank God they lost to somebody in the West. Mm -hmm. They still control their destiny. As long as they went out and they beat Georgia, they're going to an sec championship. But uh, I, I think this was big for them. And, uh, you could tell, you could tell coach is not happy with the performance, especially from the defense. Mm -hmm. Well, Kyle Trask was still awesome as he's been all year, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have an interception that was, uh, there was a penalty on Texas A&M, so it didn't count, but that was basically the only issue he had in this game. He basically had his way with the Texas A&M secondary and uh, Kyle Pitts looked like you know, I haven't really heard much about it. It looked like he was a little banged up. He was fooling around with his foot or something. So I hope he's better because uh, he did all his damage in the first half. And, you know, it looked like basically at halftime or, or after the first quarter, it looked like this was going to be another Florida just dominant win. Mm -hmm. And Kadarius Tony's uh, finally, you know, living up to the hype. He had two touchdowns, 92 yards. Uh, that's what they need. They need these complimentary players to start flashing here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, it's kind of the same story, basically three weeks in a row. Florida's offense is awesome. The defense has been really, really bad outside of some sacks and tackles for loss. But if they're not forcing turnovers, they're just not getting the job done. Mm -hmm. And it came back and it finally bit them. Uh, so let's kick it over to Dan Mullen. He was pretty pissed after this one. He wants to see this damn swamp opened up. Talks about the uh, issues on defense. Sounds like somebody might be getting fired here. And uh, then on moving on to LSU week. Uh, it was a great day of football. Great atmosphere out there. Uh, crowd was certainly a factor in the game. I will certainly say that. I know our governor passed that rule, so certainly hopefully the university administration decides to let us pack the swamp for LSU next week. 100% because that crowd was a major factor in the game. And so I certainly hope our university administration follows the governor. Our governor has passed a rule that we're allowed to pack the swamp. We have 90,000 in the swamp to give us that home field advantage that Texas A&M had today. Yeah, somebody must have put me on mute. Um, how, do you put, how do you pinpoint the problems on defense? What, what would you point to? Is it just everything? Is it yeah, we're, we're going to have to reevaluate a lot of things defensively where we're at right now. I'm going to have to really evaluate some things with our personnel, where we're at, uh, our ability to make plays, making sure we have all the right guys at the right position uh, to put ourselves in, a, in to get to, to be able to make the plays we need to to get off the field. Uh, we can't give up 13 of 15 conversions on the day and, and expect to win any games. Yeah, Dan, it was hard to tell on TV, but how big of how was the crowd a factor? And are you saying ninety? You want to see ninety thousand? I absolutely want to see ninety thousand in the swamp last year. I, I, there were. I don't think the section behind our bench. I didn't see an empty seat. It was packed. 
uh, the entire student section. I uh, must have been 50,000 people behind our bench going crazy. So uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully that creates a home field advantage for us next week because now we've passed a law in our state that we can do that. And I want to see like our students out there cheering on and give us that home field advantage. Yeah, and 32 first downs too, Dan, you guys gave up. But there's no – it's not like you got a bunch of guys you can bring in to, to physically bolster that defensive line. And obviously when they decided to run the ball there in the second half, it, it felt like you could not – do anything to stop it. Yeah, we got we got well we'll look at it. We'll look at it, you know. Hopefully we get some some depth back and with uh you know, hopefully Chris Bogle and uh Kyrie'll be available next week. So that'll be two guys in the rotation on the defensive front for us that could help. Uh but we'll evaluate where we're at and what we need to do moving forward. You mentioned making some personnel changes. Do you anticipate that happening? right away or, or how much well, leash do the coaches and the guys have here to we'll, we're going to evaluate things so i'm going to make sure we have we're putting everybody in the the right position to make plays one last thing you said this is going to be a unique year obviously because of the pandemic but also because of the scheduling is that what you're talking about there's no there's no breaks really oh well, yeah i mean you're playing 10 sec games you know, uh, in a row. So it's, it's like I told our guys, it's going to be a very different game. I mean, you got to get over this one quick. Very more like an NFL schedule this year. You know, you got to get over this one quick and get ready to go again next week. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get over this one. We'll start, we'll get that corrected on the flight home tonight, get a lot of things done tonight, some work done tonight, and get on to LSU and uh, uh, move forward to that game now. All right, Shane. So the Florida school president has already come out and said they're not opening the swamps. Sorry, Dan Bolin. Stop emailing me. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, man, this is even worse. College game day, they were headed to the swamp for Florida LSU. Both those teams lost. So game day said, er, let's call an audible. We're going to Alabama, Georgia. Mm. But, uh, man, just a, just a rough, rough game. But like you said, same thing with Tennessee, same thing with all these teams that have lost one game. The season's not over. You still control your destiny in the East. If they take the the lessons from this game, I don't know. Florida could still have a hell of a year here. Oh, for sure, man. It's just a couple stupid mistakes. You know, A&M had their way with them on the third downs. That's something that both the coaches talked about. Uh, you you can't keep your boys on the field. You got to get them. Those third downs are crucial. And mm-hmm. and when Texas A&M can go twelve or fifteen, I mean, that's that uh, that's just a making for a bad bad day. And this thing came down to the wire. Uh, Florida had plenty of opportunities to get back and and take the lead. They've got a fantastic team, but I'm telling you, A&M they they brought the A game. They they made a few mistakes themselves, but they, they didn't make any mistakes too big they couldn't get out of. Mm-hmm. All right, Shay, well, talking about making mistakes, let's jump on down to Missouri because, oh, my God, the ti- L- not the just, Missouri Tigers, but the LSU second, Tigers. Just think about this, Mike. We're just now getting to Mizzou beating LSU. You <laughs> That's know how I'm awesome saying? the Saturday That's... was. <laughs> but Missouri gets the first win of the Eli Drinkowitz era, 45-41 to over LSU. And my God, this Connor Basilak is just a damn revelation. 29-34, 406 yards, four touchdowns. Jeez. Larry Roundtree, 119 yards rushing. They had... Let's count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven receivers with multiple catches. I mean, they were all over the place. 
and they just embarrassed LSU. I mean, yeah. there there was two or three touchdowns with no one within 20 yards of a Missouri receiver. It looked like LSU didn't know what the hell they were doing on defense at any point in this game. But LSU's deep offense now, outside of they were they were rough on third down, 0 for 10. Outside of that, they were awesome on offense themselves. Miles Brennan, he mm-hmm. looks quite the part that we were all hyping him up. Terrence Marshall, 11 catches, 235 yards, three touchdowns. Man, he's proven to be that number one receiver they wanted. Eric Gilbert had a big day, six catches, 97, and a touchdown. But LSU couldn't run the ball on Missouri. And it was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was your boy Bolton made the key play there at the goal line. And and we keep hyping up Missouri in their offense. But it was the defense that won them the damn game because it was a goal situation. They made a tackle, yep. and then they had to make a goal line stand. And four plays in a row, they shut LSU out of the end zone. And for the first time in a long, long time, LSU's one and two to open the season, the defending national champions. Man, I don't even know what's the biggest story here, Shane. Missouri breaking out and just, you know, behind Basilac. Now they look like a, I don't know if you want to call it a contender, but hell, they look like just as legitimate as all these other teams. Or is it LSU falling apart and they're not even ranked anymore? One second. I'm trying to see if they fired Bo Pelini yet. <sighs> nope. <laughs> nope. Looks like he's still employed, Mike. <laughs> Dude, I, I I don't think I don't think Mizzou's getting enough respect. I, I really don't. Um, the you know they played Alabama tough there mm-hmm. in the second half of that game. They played Tennessee. There was a couple of breaks that went Tennessee's way, and they were able to hang in there with LSU. They're just they're that type of team, Mike. They're one of those 50-50 ball clubs. You can't you can't just consider it at a W. You know, because if you come ill prepared, they're gonna they're gonna beat you, and that's exactly what happened here. But LSU, man, that defense, I, I don't, you know, they got plenty of talent, Mike. That there's no there's no dispute there that they've got talent all over that ball field. But you know, there's a difference between talent and veteran talent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they got good players, but not all of them have the experience like like their counterparts did last year. So it, it's just they're, they're thrown into the fire, and you would thought by week three. after I, I thought after last week they figured it out, but, man, they took for the all the steps they took forward last week, they took ten more backwards this week. Right, yeah, so – I don't know what you do here, and I don't I don't want to put this evil on you, but this may be, you know, we talked about it during the preseason. What's going to happen when you start losing some of these games? We start getting more opt-outs and things of that nature. So, I mean, Coach O's kind of got a mess on his hands. He may, this may be one and done for Bo Pelini. It's been that bad to start with. And hell, we, you know, we'll get to Mississippi State here in a minute, but, I mean, they made Mississippi State look like something incredible. They Check this out. LSU has allowed 96 points in three games. And you got to keep in mind, one of those games, they allowed seven. So in two games, they've allowed 91 points. I mean, this is this is pathetic. And they have the nation's best defensive back. And they got a three-time All-American at linebacker. And they got a bunch of four- and five-star linemen. 
And they got Florida next week. (laughs) (laughs) They may allow 91 in that game. You know, it's just like, there's, there's no slowing down. These, it blows my mind. You, you can't, you can't do what you did last year because you can't keep up with it. This is a new year. You want to implement the defense. You, it, it kind of surprises me that they they can't get the rushing attack going. You know, I, I know Miles looked good, but you know, again, it was all on his shoulders. It was like keep keep your defense off the field as long as you can. You may have a chance here, but they didn't do that. And then on that goal line stand, man, I would tell you, my boy Nick, he looked. I mean. He, he stopped it. That was mm-hmm. it. You know, that was all him. Uh, it kind of surprised me. They made a comment. Did you see that uh, Eric Gilbert? Why wasn't he out there? Did, was he banged up on that last? Or mm, I can't. I honestly, I can't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, just kind of goal line stand. I, uh, they said that he wasn't in there, and I didn't see him. So maybe I missed it or something like that. But you'd think that 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 he would be a, a red zone target that Miles could have found. But yeah, they. I don't know. Big win. Huge win for Mizzou here. Well, let's kick it over to Coach Drink. Talked about that goal line stand on his players buying into his process here. Yeah, he is not a big fan of the signature win comment. And then I just thought this was a great statement he had on Sean Robinson, who obviously lost his starting job. But uh, the week leading into this kind of was just huge. Hey, Eli, at what point – and that last LSU drive, did you decide you you weren't going to stop the clock and you were just going to ride with your defense and, and let them try to win you this football game? I mean, we were in control of the game, so I, I didn't feel like I needed to give them any extra time to think about what they were going to do, the pressures on them. So they felt the pressure, and we weren't going to help them. Eli, could you sort of just take us through that last goal line stand and, and your vantage point and then what you said in the timeout as, as that was all playing out in those plays? Yeah, I mean, they were on the goal line. They tried to run it twice, um, tried to pass, and then tried to sprint out. Uh, you know, we felt like we had good calls on them. Um, they have short edges, so if you bring extra guys off the boundary, you can squeeze them. That's what we tried to do. It's what worked. Um, and uh, it was our will versus theirs, and we wanted it more, bottom line. You all obviously, you know, were down three of your top four defensive linemen. What can you say about the, the guys who played on the interior there, especially on that last goal line stand? Just a lot of heart and effort, toughness, and mental, psychological warfare. I mean, Brick needs to be considered Dr. Phil this week for all the things he was having to do to try to get people available to play. And and uh, just proud of our football team. I mean, that's the job of a team is to step up uh, when somebody else is down. And Coach, to, to get your first win, you know, I'm sure it's special in and of itself, but to beat the defending national champs, how, how much – more does that mean to you for that to be number one? Doesn't mean honestly, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally right now. This is about our football team and our senior class and what they fought and what they've struggled for. Uh, has nothing to do with me. I plan on winning, being a part of a lot more wins um, here at Mizzou, and and so uh, it's not ever going to be about me. It's going to be about our football team. It's going to be about our players and our seniors and the identity they're trying to create and the foundation we're trying to lay as a program. And uh, today's just a start of that. And there's been a lot of hard work. There's been a lot of, is this is this really going to work? And they they found out it does. Hey, Coach, uh, there's a lot of talk in the SEC about signature wins and, and a win early in a coach's career that can kind of put a stamp on the direction of a program. 
curious if you're a believer in that theory and if you think today would count as one. Ask me at the end of the season if we've won seven more. I mean, I have no idea. You know, right now we, we got win one. There's seven more games. Unless they cancel the season today, no, it's not a signature win. It's just a win. We got a lot more to work to do. You know, we beat a good team. We fought hard, but unless they're giving us a trophy, I didn't see any trophies out there. So let's just keep on moving forward. Okay. Let's just keep on moving forward. You know, I'm just really proud of him. And I'll say this I'm freaking really proud of Sean Robinson. There couldn't have been a better teammate this week. Could not have been a better teammate this week. He was, he was the most excited person all week, just encouraging our team. And I really think our team saw that because it can go one of two ways in, in these kind of situations. And Sean Robbins, a heck of a young man, he's a heck of a leader. Uh, he got dinged up on that first play. They rolled into him, hurt his ankle a little bit because he had a lot more plays uh, scheduled to be in the game. But I'm extremely proud of that young man and, and really proud of that quarterback room and what those guys did today. All right, Shane, so coach is uh... – Man, he's a lot chipper when he when he gets that win. You know, he's not calling people out in the press conferences or nothing. That's right, man. He's praising the backup. You know, my boss does that when he doesn't give me the promotion. You know, look at Shane. You know, he just he still shows up every day. You know, he just <laughs> makes everybody laugh. You know, uh, I'll never promote him, but whatever. So, you talk about Kiffin and Leach and Pittman. We got another winner here in Drinkwitz, and uh, I'm glad to have him in the SEC. Absolutely. Who's who's uh, Mizzou got next week? Next week they got Vanderbilt. Okay. All right, man. They got a chance. Yeah, to fire some things up there, make things interesting in the East. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, speaking of that, let's coach O real quick. Talked about uh, LSU's terrible defense. He's already getting asked basically about Bo Pelini's job. He's asked about Eric Gilbert and Terrence Marshall. Uh, on L- how Missouri attacked them, and then on that final possession where they failed to get in the goal line. Uh, really, the, the poor showing on defense. We got to coach better. Number one starts with me. Players got to make plays. Could stop the run. Uh, receivers wide open downfield was embarrassing, and uh, we got to get it fixed. Whatever it is, that they can get it fixed. Coach, uh, linebacker play seemed to be. Not great today. No, uh, I know it's fresh, but what's your assessment there? Yeah, you know what? You know, I got to look at the film, but you know, we got to be more physical. We got to hit our gaps. Uh, there were some wide open gaps. Whether that the three technique or the two technique getting cut off, or the linebacker not hitting it, and then we got beaten man to man coverage. You know, we got we got beaten on a crossing round on a critical third down. We should have made that play. And we did. Hey, and um, uh, with the secondary today, what just your initial reaction seeing it on the field? What are some of the things you've identified to, to be fixed in the future? Too many missed assignments. I mean, guys running wide open down the field. I mean, that's that's the number one thing. And uh, too many uh, missed calls, uh, whether we in and out or whether we zone and stuff like that. One guy's in and out and the other zoning and it didn't work as a touchdown. We just got to eliminate that stuff. And we had some missed tackles. We had the guys in in position to make some plays, and then we got beat one-on-one. Yeah, through three games, I guess, just how would you describe the the confidence level in the Bo Pelini hire so far? Well, you know, I love Bo. I think Bo's going to be a, a great a great defensive corner. He's done it before, but but we have to get better. And uh, there's some things that we need to fix, and we need to coach better. Uh, there's some things that we need to look at schematically, schematically, see where we can get better, and I know we will. 
Hey, Coach, you mentioned it uh, earlier, but Terrace, Marshall, Eric Gilbert gave you guys some great production this afternoon. I mean, if you just talk about those two's performances and then also yeah. Miles as well kind of stepping yeah. up. Yeah, very pleased with him. You know, very pleased with Eric. You know, I'm very pleased the way Steve is using him. We use him as a tight end. We use him as a receiver. Outstanding catches. I uh, thought Miles threw some good balls to him. You know, Terrence was calling for the ball, man. He was getting one-on-one -on -one coverage, and he wanted that ball. I thought some of the, the big plays, the big long touchdown was fantastic route, fantastic throw. Hi, Coach. Um, I guess just kind of looking at Missouri's performance, um, I kind of had a two-part question, if that's okay. But just in the first place, uh, with their offensive performance, was just what in particular stood out to you the most about that? That, we'll say what, what what in particular did what? Just what in particular stood out to you the most about Missouri? Yeah. The misdirection, the, all, all the misdirection, and they had a good plan. They got us out of out of uh, out of our gaps. We couldn't mm -hmm. stop the run game. We couldn't stop the play action game. And then when we bit up on the run, we had guys wide open down the field. Too many busts. I thought their quarterbacks played outstanding. I thought their running back was a little bit better than we gave him credit to. He had an outstanding game. And right there down at the end to uh, you know, have first and goal at the one, those plays, could you take us through that sequence and what does it do to a team yeah. just not being able to get it in on the, on the yeah, score there? We got to do it. We got we to look at the scheme. I know they will, they will pinch on everybody uh, and, and, and knock it out linebacker. I, I imagine I didn't see it on tape, but we got to get it in. You know, and then the uh, the two passes, you know, just, they did a good job of defending it. But, you know, we, got, we ought to be able to run the football on. We LSU, we should score from one-yard line. All right, Shane. So, I mean, I was a little concerned here. Coach O seems he didn't have the smile on his face, but it kind of sounded like <laughs> like he's all chipper and everything. And, uh, you know, Coach O's our guy. I don't want to put him on the hot seat or anything. But, my God, this is uh, this is getting this is getting rough here. Yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you do right here, Mike? Uh, it, it felt like not last year. It felt like a couple years ago when when he was trying to keep his job. Yeah, uh, when he had the intern job, it kind of right. it's it's kind of that same vibe. It's like we don't know where Coach O's going to go from here. Um, I I think I know he loves Bo Pelini, but that's the biggest question mark right now. And when he had that problem with offense, he got rid of coach Canada, you know? So right. is, is this going to be that type of situation? Um, I don't know. I, I, and I think it's even worse because he was just talking so much shit about Dave Aranda and talking yeah. about how, how great this hire is. And then it's completely blown up in his face. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you make the wrong hires, man. And uh, a lot of people question, I don't even know if he was the first guy he wanted in there. No, he, he just, no, you know who he wanted? He wanted uh, Barry Odom. He tried oh. to steal him from Arkansas. Well, I bet, yeah, he should have threw some more money at him, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> National champ. Surely we could find a little ch extra change in the couch. But but anyway, we're stuck with Bo for a little bit longer. And, and guess what? Bo don't know football, man. You know what I'm saying? It's not the, the – I never liked this hire. And, and the, you, can't, you can't tell me different right now. Unless this thing just automatically changes, I, I – I, I can't imagine Bo sticks around for the full season. They're gonna he's a scapegoat, man. And mm -hmm. eventually Coach O's gonna pull that card. All right, Shane. Well, uh, speaking of scapegoat, let's kick it all down to my terrible lock of the week here. Kentucky beats Mississippi State twenty-four to two. This is the first time in Mike Leach's nineteen years of coaching that his offense has failed to score. I'm not giving them credit for the two that obviously came uh, thanks to, a, a, I believe it was a special teams miscue snap over the punter's head. 
Mm-hmm. But my God, Shane, again, I mean, and this kind of speaks to how bad LSU is maybe because Mississippi State scores 44 in the opener, then 14, now two. I mean, were they going to get shut out next week? I mean, <laughs> this thing is just trending in a wrong, wrong direction. K.J. Costello throwing picks all over the place, four interceptions, another pick six. He's throwing a pick six in every single game. They bring in the backup. He throws two interceptions. I mean, they just looked completely clueless on offense. And, hell, the crazy part is Mississippi State's defense was pretty damn good in this game, and they got blown out. I mean, imagine if we went into the year saying Mississippi State's defense was going to be the strength of the team. We'd be saying, my God, they must be undefeated or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, no, this is – I don't know what the hell – I thought Kentucky was the team that had given up. It looks like it's Mississippi State. Well, I'm going to pat my back here because I didn't count out Kentucky. I'll tell you that right now. Mike gave up on them, but Shane didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed the tweets coming in, and none none of mine were attached to it, so that was good. But Mm -hmm. Mississippi State, you know, I mean, what can you do? You have six interceptions. You're going to lose a game. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When you when you've got six when you six interceptions, this it's just you can't have that. We've talked about KJ. This is a trend, man. This isn't a fluke. You, you know, he started out, he surprised LSU, but since then they're starting to pick up either on on his tails or something like that. And and for a team that that was the worst in the country for turnovers, they found plenty on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Shane. Now, this might sound like I'm just being a hater at this point, but I don't really think Kentucky impressed me in this game. Now, the defense, I, I'll give them credit. You know, they hell, they had six interceptions here. Mm-hmm. But if you have six interceptions, six turnovers, you get 14 points off turnovers. And I don't know, just the way this offense played, I mean, hell, I think we might have to – Bench Terry Wilson. I mean, he he looks like it looks like Lim Bowden back at, back out there. I mean, he's running all over from the quarterback position, but he can't throw the ball. He's eight to 20, 73 yards. I mean, he was rough. They brought Joey Gatewood in, but it was more because they knew Mississippi State wasn't going to score. So let's get Joey Gatewood some run. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm still concerned about what in the hell Kentucky's doing here. I don't know. I don't really think this is like a get-right game. I think this is one that Mississippi State gifted you. Is it? Am I being too harsh? I don't want to say gifted because you know I, I think Kentucky's. I mean, you got to give defense. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. Kentucky's defense was legit. They were there. They were ready to play. They looked fantastic. Uh, you're right. The offense was was not what we expected, but it was enough to win. And that's kind of what they did last year. It wasn't. It wasn't something you wrote home to mom about, you know. Lynn did fantastic running the ball, but they kind of got back to what they do. So I'm a little bit more worried about Mississippi State situation than I am Kentucky. Now my eyebrows are raised. Obviously, this offense can't. I mean, you cannot go into games and and only have 73 yards passing or 84 yards rushing. I mean, that's that's not going to win a lot of games in the SEC. Obviously, they got to get something fixed back in the backfield. And, and I, I'm with you. I think it does. I, I was hoping Terry would be the guy, 
but I don't think he is, man. And and now we're going into week four, and we potentially could have a quarterback controversy. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't surprise me if we don't see a little bit more of Joey next week. In the next two opponents for Kentucky, you got Tennessee and Georgia. Not exactly two defenses you want to be exactly. <laughs> breaking a new quarterback in, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Well, what does Mississippi State do from here? <laughs> I mean, I mean I it kn- can't get much worse. Did you, did you pay the? Did you play the clips yet? Well, yeah, let's kick it over. I mean, my God, Shade. So this uh, Kentucky's best player was the punter. I mean, he's an outstanding, Max Duffy. But uh, so Mark Stoops talked about his punter and the sense of urgency they had in this game. And then we'll kick it over here to Mike Leach at the same time on the offense's issues, on the defense playing well enough to win on K.J. Costello and how to fix this offense. And then classic Mike Leach, I just thought this was great. At the end, he was like, the loudest thing I was hearing out there, it reminded me of these Mississippi State fans that are probably screaming at me at the moment. Mark, um, how important was Max Duffy tonight? Hmm. Amazing, really. It really is. Um, you know, that momentum could have slipped away from us there uh, with the with the bad uh, snap. Uh, Cade has been... 100% all year. So where that came from, I don't know. We'll just uh, chalk that up to, to one bad snap. Hopefully we won't see that again because he's been he's been really impressive for a freshman. Um, but Max to come back after the safety, uh, first of all, the intelligence that he has to kick it out and to take the two, and then to come back and boom that punt uh, was really important. And really all night he did that. So he, he's amazing. I'm trying to look down here real quick and see what he averaged. Does anybody have that tip of their tongue? I think it was 449. 44, yeah. Uh, and and uh, that's net. You know, had we covered a little better, he outkicked it a couple times. But if we cover a little better, that net should go up because he was booming it. What about the sense of urgency that your guys had on that side of the ball tonight? Do you feel like that this had kind of that feel of a, a, a must-get-it-done situation? Well, definitely, because we weren't real impressed with the way we played a week ago. And, uh, you know, heck, we're going to play very good, explosive teams this year. And, uh, you know, I know for myself and any defensive coach, I mean, when we give up, uh, you know, what was it, 35 in regulation, 42 overall, I mean, that that's that's hard to swallow. It was a, it was a brutal week and, uh, and uh, you know, love these night games that last four and a half hours I can enjoy it for about five hours and get back up and do it again can't wait <laughs> do got a little bounce in my step though we have a big one coming up this week so I'll be uh it'll be we'll be ready to go Josh Moore I know obviously this is not the kind of offensive performance you thought you'd have tonight any idea or any thought about why the offense struggled the way it did yeah, I have a lot of ideas. The biggest one is uh, the University of Kentucky, but then uh, the second biggest one is we didn't play together at all. I mean, uh, and you can really say all phase, and you know, and we've got to figure out a way to clean that up. Um, <clears throat> their uh, their three guys up front can, can uh, consistently beat our five. Um, our receivers did not consistently catch the ball. We were able to get open. But we didn't consistently catch the ball. Um, <clears throat> we turned the uh, the ball over, which was a byproduct of the quarterback size not being in the right place, and um, 
uh, and as he had some contributions too between drop balls or somebody not in the right place, but his eyes weren't in the right place consistently. And, uh, you know, so long story short, offensively, we're not coaching very well right now. I mean, we have to coach better. I mean, <clears throat> uh, if you look at this game, um, nearly every problem that we had was self-inflicted. Um, not uh, in that, with a lot of respect to Kentucky, but uh, <clears throat> one self-inflicted wound after the next. I mean, I've been plenty of games where we never dropped any ball. I, I don't know how many balls we dropped, but I lost count. And then uh, <clears throat> the turnovers, which some of those are byproducts of straight up uh, dumb turnovers. And then others are byproducts of somebody not being in the right place or our guy not moving as fast as their guy or uh, getting pressure. A number of them, <clears throat> the problem was we're getting hit as we're throwing the ball. And we've got to become a better offense, you know. Um, we've got uh, some new uh, – uh, we've got a new system. We've got some youth and inexperience, and we just got to stick together and coach our way through it. On the other side, your defense tonight only gave up 157 total yards in the game. And what could you say about the way they played, especially a guy like Marquis Spencer on defense, who seemed like he was disruptive throughout the night for you? I thought he was. I thought our defense played extremely hard. I thought our defense played well enough uh, for us to win the game. I think our defense has a ways to go. They've got to get better. <clears throat> you know, if they want to be the best defense in the conference, they've got to keep improving. Uh, then special teams, I think we're somewhere in the middle. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, we just got to hang in there and keep coaching. I think that, uh, uh, you know, this is a deal that we've got to swing and battle through. And I, uh, uh, you know, internally we have to carefully look at the guys that we're playing and what we're asking them to do, you know. Coach, what, what are you seeing from KJ? I mean, he looks like a completely different quarterback the last couple of weeks. What are you seeing in your coach? <clears throat> I think it's a series of overcorrections. You know, I think that um, uh, I think that uh, you know he'll see things and do some things pretty well. And then, like early in the game, you know, uh, we're getting ready to march down the field, but we dropped uh, we dropped several balls. We would jump off sides. You know, because we're not even a team that's been penalized very much this year up until uh, this game. And um, and then I think he'd get frustrated. Then I think he'd try to do too much. Um, and then as he tried to do too much, uh, uh, I think it blew up on him several times. And then uh, never really got in a rhythm because we didn't consistently protect him. Mike, with the offense just not being able to necessarily get in rhythm, how do you kind of go about establishing that rhythm in a game like this or, you know, going forward? What kind of goes into that? You keep pounding away in practice. I mean, you just got to get better in practice, you know. But in our case, in the in the course of the game, <clears throat> you know, you try to change things up. You try to do a few different things. The ball really didn't bounce our direction very well. I mean, we had a – Un unblocked guy intercept one. We had a ball that hit us in the hands that um, got intercepted. You know, you know all those uh, <clears throat> potentially lead to points and first downs and field position. You know, we got a number of those. And then quarterback throws at the wrong place, and then probably would have thrown at the right place if we don't get him hit. I mean, you know that our problems our problems go unit wide. You know, it's not it's not one spot. It's 
it's pretty much unit wide. The other thing is, is I, I think we're going to have to kind of check some of our group and figure out who really wants to play the, the play here because, you know, um, any malcontents, we're going to have to purge a couple of those. I can barely hear you. But just say say uh, say it really loud. Say 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 it like the, those fans were probably yelling at me on the Mississippi State side. I'll be able to hear you. All right, Shade. So I thought it was pretty bizarre. A lot of people counting or or basically saying Mike Leach throwing his players under the bus. I didn't really get that from what he was saying here. I think it's pretty natural. Uh, every coaching hire basically you kind of got to weed out the players that are not bought in maybe you just don't say that publicly but he's putting it on himself he's putting it on the coaching staff and particularly himself I mean he's hell he's the offensive coordinator but uh yeah I mean this is this just ain't gonna cut it and they've got to fix whatever's wrong with KJ Costello because you know people had him in the damn Heisman race there for a minute and now he's he's getting benched against Kentucky be a terrible coach man yeah, I mean, I would. I'd be blaming everybody. Like, well, when you saw the same game I did, Jim dropped it ten times. <laughs> I mean, we can't have these drops, Mike. You know, maybe I should have some tryouts or something because Jim ain't cut anymore. Get your ass on the bus. You know, it's just like, <laughs> uh, I I don't know. That's hard. And 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 these coaches are so amped up. They're just coming off the field, you know, and had a tough tough to beat. You know, this is when you catch some of the coach. Um, kind of slipping, you know, and saying something they shouldn't have. And, yeah, I, I felt like it was a little bit of a blame game. But, you know, he he was quick to turn it around on himself and say, hey, it's about this coaching staff. And, uh, you know, we ain't coaching right. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's it may be time to get back to the drawing board and, and fix some of these stupid boneheaded mistakes that, they're, that they keep making. Mm-hmm. All right, Shay, final game to break down here. South Carolina gets their first win of the season in a big way 41 to 7 over Vanderbilt and this was a damn sloppy game it was damn near 3 to 0 at halftime South Carolina did punch it in with about 2 minutes left in the first half they had a first and goal inside the 2 yard line i believe that it took them four runs right up the middle to get in <laughs> but uh, for anybody that missed it i mean i live in Nashville here we were getting you know bits of that hurricane and it mm-hmm. was just a mess outside and, and raining, pouring. So I'm sure that played a part in the game. But, you know, the big takeaway for me, Kevin Harris, my goodness, South Carolina's got themselves a running back. He had an 88-yard touchdown on this one, 171 total yards, two touchdowns. Colin Hill was, you know, decent. But, again, I think the, the conditions played a big factor in that. Colin Hill did have two rushing touchdowns. Remember the Tennessee game, they kept talking about his damn ACLs and <laughs> – his legs barely hanging on well it was hanging on well enough for him to rush for multiple touchdowns in this game and uh, you know the South Carolina defense came up big particularly that defensive line that's starting to come together that's what you wanted to see Uh, and Will Muschamp I mean this is the win you needed this is the this is certainly not going to completely cool his his seat but you know this was a must win you go out here and win by 35 points whatever and all of a sudden, I mean, you can again, you can build one law, one win turns turns into two, turns into three, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're not even talking about you being on the hot seat anymore. And uh, you know they get Auburn next week, and hell, they've been one of the most disappointing 
teams in the entire SEC. So, I mean, there's hope here for South Carolina, I think. This is exactly what they need, Mike. This is a big win for them. You know, they've they've been close in the past, and, and I, I think this is uh, – I don't know, man. They were, them boys were having fun Saturday, and it's been a while since I've seen some South Carolina players having fun. So I think there's a lot to build off here. I think uh, they've they've kind of they've kind of established their identity, especially on offense, and just keep running with it, man. They've got a they've got a legit team, and and they can beat a lot of player a lot of teams in the SEC. So mm-hmm. this is a good run. Um, I, and we're gonna get to the spreads here in a minute, but I, I'm thinking that those spread numbers are gonna start coming down the closer you get to South Carolina. Now, as for uh, Vanderbilt. You know, I thought Ken Seals, he continues to show that he's a solid quarterback. Now, here's the main issue, though, and this is kind of goes to Derek Mason's comments we're about to play here. But uh, from what I understand, South, or excuse me, Vanderbilt only had something like 55 players available, Shane. And the limit's 53. <laughs> they announced that right before the season. You got to have 53 scholarship guys to play a damn game. So. Damn, Vanderbilt's right on the edge here of, of just having enough players to play. Is that like COVID or something? It, well, it's, a, it's, a fa- it's COVID and injury. So oh. you, you mix those together, and that's why they're all the way down there. But, hell, they, I wish I would have known that. I would have locked this bad boy up. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> I mean, that that's what's going to happen. When you only got – when you're when you're already disadvantaged, when it's pouring rain out, you got half a damn team, th- that's basically what's going to happen. Vanderbilt, they – had two very promising drives here in the first half. They missed a very easy field goal. Then the next possession, they didn't want to leave it up to the kicker. They fourth and goal, they went for it, didn't get it. I mean, these are the opportunities that just are going to kill you if you're Vanderbilt <laughs> and you're playing with them half a roster here. And, and in the second half, you just kind of fall apart because you don't got the, the talent and the depth. And that's what happened. And, uh, you know, I'm getting kind of concerned – if that, I mean, hopefully those numbers go way up and they get their guys back because I think Vanderbilt's got enough players to compete. We've seen it. We saw it in the first half here. We saw it against Texas A&M, who all of a sudden looks really good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's you're, you're, you're already – everybody's thinking you're the worst team in the SEC. Now you got half wow. a roster. I mean, this is just a damn recipe for disaster. It's crazy, man. You know, and then here you got the NFL – like bill the maintenance guy he got covid so they got to shut the whole place down and send everybody home you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) until they get 10 false positives and then they're like all right we'll clear it out then you know the sec here we got half a roster not able to play so uh that's wild man i didn't i did not know that but Mm -hmm. i mean when you're that thin it's it's going to be hard to hang out with anybody in the sec Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Will Muschamp and Derek Mason real quick, back-to-back. Uh, Muschamp talking about the offense and the defensive line coming together and then on what this win could do for him. And then you can't really hear the questions with Derek Mason, so he's asked about the COVID cases and, and all this on his team potentially losing confidence and then on those issues in the red zone. Well, obviously, you guys offensively have a little bit of a slow start compared to the last two games. But what do you kind of see from your guys on a personal side, responding and, and turning turning it around the, the way they did despite sort of that that early setback? Well, we came in with a game plan to be very aggressive early in the game uh, to try and take take some shots. 
uh, the first shot to Xavier. Uh, second down play was another opportunity. Uh, so we wanted to come in and be aggressive. We end up being three and out. We're willing to take those. If you're going to be aggressive down the field to take some shots down the field, those are the things you've got to do to be successful, to get people off of you, to f figure out what we need to do in the run game. And uh, more than anything, let the defensive coordinator know on the other sideline, we're going to take those shots in games. Hey, well, how would you evaluate your defensive line's performance today, and how much pressure does that take off a secondary that's obviously struggled at times when they're getting to the quarterback pretty quickly? Well, I, Colin, I think that's big, especially when you rush four guys. If you can rush four guys, you're going to have a good defensive football team as far as in the passing game is concerned. J.J.'s been a really a good rusher for us. I thought we got some good push inside with Jabari and Zach at times. I thought Aaron had a good pressure. I'm not positive, but I think Jordan Birch had a, we had a stun on where he came free. Uh, so we had some guys flash. I'd like to watch the film first, but I know that, you know, the first third down, J.J. gets the pressure. I think it was a sack strip, has an opportunity for a turnover there. We got to be able, you know, when it gets to third down, you can't bring five all the time and six all the time. You got to be able to pressure a four and play coverage and get the ball, quarterback off the spot and get the ball out of his hands. I, I don't know what was going on there. My apologies. Appreciate it, coach. Um, so you mentioned earlier just about the tough conditions of what's going on behind closed doors in a season like this every game. Uh, but then going into this game specifically with the conditions on the field, the rain just how much can a win like this help your team mentally moving forward this season? Well, right now, any win helps. And regardless of where it is, at the end of the day, um, you know, our guys stuck together. We had one of our best practices of the year on Tuesday. Not so much on Wednesday, but came back Thursday. We're pretty sharp. But this guy, these guys work hard. Been really proud of them, how they've, you know, handled this whole duration of what we've been through starting back during the spring, going into the summer, heading into, into the season now. And uh, each week's another great opportunity for us, and that's the way we're going to look at it enjoy our victory today and start on a really good Auburn team on Sunday. Uh, and that's the way we'll approach things. But, uh, you know, any win is good right now. Uh, Sparks, go ahead. Yeah, just generally, Derek, about that. Can, can you say, are you concerned at all that you'll have enough to play next week? In other words, does your number, do your numbers improve before the next game, you think? I don't know that, <laughs> you know, I mean, I went into this week, um, you know, like having a, a, a solid idea and, you know, like hoped, hoped really, man, man, that we can get there, but it's like anything else when you go through the weekend, uh, you gotta, you gotta get to a Sunday to figure out like exactly where the injuries are. Okay. And then, you know, testing provides another, uh, couple of hurdles that you got to get through throughout the week. So for me, um, you know, these are challenging times, and I think in challenging times, what you got to do is just take it one day at a time. You know, I mean, our staff, our coaches, been our student athletes. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna always talk about health, safety, and welfare of the student athlete, but uh, we we got to make sure too, man, that we can be functional enough to play to play. You know, man, the style of football that we want to play, and make sure we can keep our guys safe. It is. It really is. I that's that's what I wanted to, you know, man, talk to this team about. You know, I mean, I don't want this team to lose, okay, confidence in its ability to play football. I I, I think there's always a fine line that you you walk in this, but you know, in looking at this, I said, fellas, man, you're a couple of plays away from this game going exactly the way you wanted it to go. So don't 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 get lost in the idea, man, that 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 all is for naught. And Dio followed that up. Okay, man, I thought just grabbing a group and just telling these guys, look, he's right. You know, we're, we're, we're a play here, play there. 
and, and and so let's not it let let's not let it be uh, or or get ugly. Let's let it grow. Let's let it be exactly what it can be by just making sure, man, man that we that, that we continue to strain, okay, and focus and follow the process and detail the plan. Yeah, the two times you had a first down at the 11 or inside um, and didn't get points, how big a backbreaker was that for the team, and where did those situations go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> you bring up a good point, Chris. I, I, I think, you know, man, for this group, I think those, you know, man, putting points on the board, okay, makes it a different ball game in terms of ebb and flow, energy. Uh, so whether we're talking about the field goal, whether we're talking about going for it on fourth down and getting a first down to give ourselves four more downs to get it in the end zone, those th this that's where this group is one one play away. Okay, one play here, one play there, and then when you start to look at it, it's 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 accumulation of about fourteen plays. Like in a ball game, they come in times where I mean I mean you make that play, uh, the ebb and flow looks different. And so I, I'm I'm just telling this group, man, stay stay in the fight. Sometimes when you see the adversity, you got to run to it, man, not away from it. We got to be better in those situations. We will be. We got to commit to that. And then with that, making sure, too, that this group stays tight. And that's what uh, I think that locker room is doing. That locker room is, is staying tight. Like I told them, this game right here is going to be a turning point for us. It's got to be. needs to be. All right, Shane. So one thing I always find funny, these coaches, they don't want to speak at all after a loss. You know, Will Muschamp's his pressers are about three minutes long when he loses. They're about 30 minutes when he wins. So, I mean, he's fired up after this one for obvious reasons. I think he knows, you know, I don't want to say he saved his job, but for all intents and purposes, maybe he did. And, you know, for Derek Mason, I mean, that kind of he kind of laid it all out there. I mean, we cannot have these issues in the red zone. We're so close to being a competitive football team, but if a couple of things start going against us, it just snows snowballs on us and – that's what happened on Saturday, and for anybody that didn't watch the game, you're going to think Vanderbilt just got their ass kicked, but, mm -hmm. hell, they could have been winning at halftime very, very easily in this one, and who knows how this would have played out if it was, uh, you know, if, if those breaks would have went their way earlier in the game. Yeah, definitely, man. All right, Shane, so we're going a little long here. Let's uh, get to the lines real quick. We've got some hell of a matchups here. You ready to guess the uh, opening lines? Let's do it. All right, Shane. First game on the docket here, Auburn at South Carolina. What would you have for this one? I got Auburn minus three. Oh, well, I said Auburn minus eight. I thought they'd be a big favorite in this one. You nailed it dead on. Auburn minus three is the opening yeah. line. Yes. And from what I understand, it's already been bet down. So, <laughs> I mean, this is basically a pick em here. Auburn at South. That's what, that's what I was trying to tell you guys. I mean, South Carolina's got a real chance to get some momentum going here. Mm-hmm. Let some extra fans in on that game, too. That's what I'd do. You know, make a real <laughs> wide out. <laughs> All right, next game on the docket, Shane. Kentucky at Tennessee. What would you have for this one? I got Tennessee minus three and a half. Ooh, I thought you had a little bit more faith in the Vols than that, Shane. I had Tennessee minus 14, and it opened at Tennessee minus seven. So you win this one, too. Ooh. Three and a half yeah, against I'm, Kentucky. Oh man, I can't believe that. Mike, I'm hurt right now. I'm hurt. You <laughs> caught you caught me. I mean, I, I just listened to like bald calls all the way to work this morning. And I was just like I was like doom and gloom, man. It's raining. And I was like, God, we're never gonna win a game again. All right. So <laughs> All right, next game on the docket, Shane. LSU at Florida. What'd you have for this one? 
I got Florida minus nine. Ooh, I had Florida minus 13, and I nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Florida minus 13, so almost a two-touchdown favorite. That kind of tells you where LSU is at at the moment. All right, next game on the docket here, Shane. Ole Miss at Arkansas. What would you have for this one? I got Ole Miss minus two. Ooh, I said Ole Miss minus seven. You nailed it. It's two. It's my, Ole Miss minus two. What? That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Has this changed? Has this changed? Um, I don't know. Two. I just thought that was like, you know, I didn't want to do three because I already did three twice. So I was like, I'll do a two. <laughs> yeah, it's three and a half now. Okay. That's what All it's right. at, at the moment. All right, Texas A&M. Okay, sorry. Te- Texas A&M at Mississippi State. What do you got for this one? Uh, Texas A&M minus 11. I said Texas A&M minus 18. I'm losing faith in the Pirate pretty quick. But the line opened Texas A&M minus 7. That's pretty weird, isn't it? Oh, lock of the week maybe? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Vanderbilt at Missouri. What would you have for this one? I got Missouri minus 13. I said Missouri minus 10. You win this one too. It's Missouri minus 16. Golly. Mike, I, I'm good at the spread, pick of the spreads, but I suck at pick of the games. <laughs> All right, final game, the game everybody's waiting to watch. Georgia yeah. at Alabama. What would you have for this? Alabama minus four. Ooh, I said Alabama minus six. And we tied. It's Alabama minus five. Ooh, man, and, what a game. And everybody that I'm hearing from is basically betting Georgia on this one. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what they want you to do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just that's just a little tip there. But uh, hey, man, these I games. About, I got about forty-five tweets this morning saying, mm-hmm. "Whatever you do, don't <laughs> lock the Georgia Bulldogs." <laughs> but you need to start charging people for. Uh, oh, no. You know how how you're gonna put your uh your lock on i mean it's that's worth a lot of money i, I thought you oh. lost your powers but you got them back oh i got them back mike i'm broke but you know as long as i'm making other people money that's what matters <laughs> <laughs> all right shade so we went long here i think we're gonna uh, cut this one here but uh you got anything else before we hop off here no this was a long one mike we'll uh we'll dive into some more stuff tomorrow so uh yeah we're going to cut out. It's almost 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs> <laughs>